Nurses, we just want to thank you for everything you do. We are ShiftKey.com. Log on today and connect to open PRN shifts in your area. Work when you want, where you want. You can even get paid next day. ShiftKey.com. Start today. This podcast is made in association with DrunkMummySoberMummy.com and Cuppa, the free social network for the sober and sober curious. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages, you'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. Alan, if I say drum roll, I expect you to add a drum roll. And if Lucy said raise the trumpets and say Alan's going to put a sound bit in here, I expect there to be trumpets. Well, he didn't buy the sound effects. Oh, yeah. He oh. wants me to buy the sound effects now. That's the, that's how much our relationship has deteriorated <laughs> since we've been here. He won't even give me a free trumpet sound. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to find another studio, Lucy. And he could have told us before that we had to pay for it. I didn't know we were being charged for like a... We, instead, we've left a blank gap where the drum roll was meant to be yeah. and where the trumpets are. I feel like a right wally. Yeah, I, I don't know whether the listeners realise, but last week there was a few gaps where Alan was supposed to put some <laughs> nice nice sounds. But when we listened back, after I'd released it to the to the minions, uh, yeah, there, wasn't, there was no sounds in there. Yeah. Just blank spaces mm. with it, air. But in all honesty, we've worked out the reason why. It's because all of our lives are completely chaotic. Yeah, that is totally why. Alan's got four kids. I mean, we've got how many kids between us? Eight children between the three of us. Yeah. Yeah, it's just chaos. Even more than that, nine children between us, haven't we? Four, five, six, seven. Yeah, nine children. Nine children, yeah. So our lives are chaos and he forgot. So I'm not really angry with him. He's allowed to forget, but also he's never going to get any money out of me. (laughs) Just so he knows when he's listening back to this. Never going to happen. Oh, he's done the finger again. Oh, Never going to happen, yeah. He's just going to not open the door to the booth and let us out one day. Oh God! I don't be in here forever. I don't think I can spend more longer it's than an like hour in here. It's not like the TARDIS, is it? It's smaller when you go in. At least uh, we've got a light today. Usually yes, we're in here in the dark. <laughs> it's like being stuck in a cupboard, isn't it? It really is, and I think it's so funny because 
We're on the Sunshine Coast in yeah. Australia. <laughs> it is not like you would imagine it to be. No, we must get a photo of us in the booth today. I'll share it with yeah. all of you people on Cuppa and everywhere else. Mm. Um, I just wanted to tell you quickly, Lucy, about a guy I met on the beach yesterday. It really made me laugh. Where I live, if you go for like a beach walk, there's a little platform before you head down to the beach. And every afternoon there's the same blokes that sit there having a beer, watching the sun go down, checking for waves. You know, the real Aussie surf dudes mm. with their tinnies and their what those things they call them they hold their beers in no no not surfboards (laughs) the things they hold their beers in oh my god what are they called oh stubby holders or something yes stubbies stubbies are the cans stubbies are the cans yes the stubby holder that's right so I always say hello to them one guy came up to me and said oh have you seen the moth I was like, what are you talking about, the moth? He said, oh, haven't you seen the moth tonight? And he told me this. there's this guy in Majimba, where I live, who after parties, he's kind of like the hanger-on, the final person at every party in Majimba, and he gets thrown out. And then he wanders around the streets looking for houses with lights on so that he can go and find oh. people to have an extra beer with. And all the people in Majimba know when he's coming and all turn their lights off and hide, and they're hiding from the moth. <laughs> It's a perfect name for someone who does that. He's attracted to the light because he's trying to find an after party. And was he out and about? I mean, why were they looking for the moth? Shouldn't you be hiding from the moth? Yeah, I don't know. Where's the moth? They just love him, I think, because they just think it's funny that they've got a mate called the moth. We should make it our mission to find this guy. (laughs) I mean, how old is he? Is he hot? Yeah. I was the moth for many, many years, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. Stumbling around Brighton trying to find a light on in an after party. Yeah. Not a good look. Anywhere to have a drink, to to drink with someone. Yeah. which is funny because it kind of goes against what we're talking about does, today, actually, yeah. which is more about drinking on your own. Yeah. Good to see there's still people out there who do want to drink with other people, <laughs> yeah. even if it is at three in the morning. Filling our space <laughs> where we used to be. Yes. I mean, someone else is doing it and we don't have to anymore. Carrying the torch. Yeah. Now, I've got a present for you, Vic, hmm. because about a year ago, <laughs> yeah. no, about how long ago was it? Uh, two months ago, Lucy. Two months ago, Vic had her four-year soberversary. Yes. And life has been so chaotic for us between then that we haven't actually caught up as much as we usually do. And last time I forgot to bring it. And this time I only brought half of her present. (laughs) And that's that's why we're saying we've got chaotic lives because we're incapable of doing anything right. So here is half of your present to congratulate you on being sober for four years. It's not me out. I hope it wasn't something that was alive when you bought it and it's taken two months to get to me and now it's a corpse. It's funny you say that. Oh, God. I hope it's all going to be okay. Oh. Because it has been wrapped up like that, sitting on our table for ages. Oh, so and it's got now something inside. It's not a goldfish, is it? <laughs> oh, what's in here? Oh, they look packaged. Oh, anything that says nut butter is up my street. They're bliss balls. Oh, yes. So it's a little pot with bliss mm. balls in it. But the idea was, mm. this present's been really a disaster from beginning to end. There was meant to be four in there for each year <laughs> of your sobriety. Pot. But oh. I couldn't fit four in. Well, it's three, it's four things. It's the, the bliss balls and the pot. So thank you, Lucy. Yes, I, I will enjoy yes. those after my dinner tonight. Well, you could say there's a lid as well. So that's next year's present. That's next year's <laughs> lid. Oh, yes. <laughs> Don't have to give me anything yeah. then. And, and I'll give you the other half next time. Oh, thank you, Lucy. I'm guessing the other half is another bliss ball. <laughs> no, I ate that. Oh, bitch. <laughs> well done on thank being you. four years sober. You are my my guru. I look up to you. Oh, whatever. And um, get on with the show. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> 
So we are in a bit of a crazy space today because we've all kind of got here with our own stories of disasters that have happened throughout the day. Vic's... Uh, Another hospital visit. Vic's, Vic's husband was in the hospital with her daughter. He thought they'd broken her wrist. Luckily, it was just a sprain. I think Alan's daughter's put something in the oven and might be about to burn the She's house She's home down. alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been stuck in terrible traffic trying to get down here. But we're here. Yeah. But we are here. Um, and we've got a really good topic today. So what are we talking about, Vic? Behind closed doors. Yes, we are. It's a topic we've already touched on in other episodes and we've been meaning to do an exclusive chat about it for a while. But we fast-tracked it to the top of our long, meandering and quite frankly weird topic list at the request of a few listeners. Yep, there's no doubt the pandemic will have exacerbated the problem of people drinking more at home and made it the norm. Well, that and the emergence of alcohol delivery services, which means we have booze at our fingertips 24-7. Don't get us started. (laughs) Anyway, I don't have either of those excuses since I mastered it pre-pandemic and pre-Jimmy Brings and can personally vouch that it was the beginning of my downhill spiral and a new very messy phase of my life. Can chatting about it on this podcast help others who are stuck stuck in this relentless rut? Yes, I love a good relentless rut. (laughs) (laughs) Not rutting. Rutting like a deer. I had one for a Ooh, while. I'm rutting like a relentless deer. <laughs> well, we certainly do hope so, Lucy. Otherwise, why are we sitting in this stinking hot booth on a Friday night? Goodness knows. Stay tuned, listeners, as we discuss how normal life events can force us behind closed doors with our clinking bottles of booze and why it has a sinister side effect and can quickly change your drinking habit from social to so what. No one can see me, so I'll have another. We'll discuss the somewhat warped mindset that comes with drinking at home. And most importantly, what do you do if you're sinking several bottles of salve from the perceived safety of your sofa and you can't seem to snap out of it? Well done, Vic. That was a quite a difficult sentence. It was. It was like Very a... Very impressed. The pheasant plucker. I'm not a pheasant plucker. I'm a pheasant plucker son. I go around <laughs> plucking pheasants till the pheasant plucker comes. Well, well done. Thank you. While you were reading that sentence, I was thinking, will she make it or won't she? <laughs> yeah, judging <laughs> is she, is she judging gonna, my is she reading. she going to fuck it up? She's bound to fuck it up. <laughs> uh, look, honestly, I blame life in general for forcing us to retreat into our homes to drink. Um, I like to blame everything else other than myself, of course. Of course. That's why I drank for so long. Yep. There Actually, you could stop there. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's the podcast. <laughs> Done. Done. It was everyone else's fault. Yeah, everyone else's fault. I'll carry on. Yeah. There are many reasons that we do it. Of course, there's a worldwide health pandemic that made us stay in our house. Yeah. <laughs> and almost forced us to drink. Um, and let's talk about some of the other reasons uh, why people are starting to drink more behind closed doors. And I guess number one for a lot of people is parenthood. Yeah, it forces us behind the closed doors. Mm. We go from going out. I mean, we talk about that transition to party girl to mum a lot on this podcast. And that it, it means you're out and then you're in. It's yeah. simple as that, isn't it? So you try and bring the party home. You try and bring the party home. Yeah, and it, uh, it's very difficult. It's very shocking. Parenthood is not what you expect. It's kind of frightening. 
Yep. Um, and having a drink can help ease all of those uncomfortable feelings. Yep. One of the things that I was surprised about was that we've had Sober Dave and William Porter on here. And when they told us a little bit about their stories, they both mentioned that the point at which their drinking really spiraled was when they became fathers. Yep. So it's not a mum thing. It's a parent thing. Not saying that only parents drink behind closed doors. What I'm saying is it is just one of the really big things that makes us do it. We can't get out because we've yep. got kids to look after. So instead of saying, I'm not going to have a drink, we bring the drink home. And that's where that kind of total changed habit of drinking um, starts happening. Yeah. Because you've always got a bottle of wine, or you've always got a can of beer or whatever it is you drink in the house. It's always reaching distance. You don't have to dress up and go out no. and order it at a bar anymore. And that's where the reward comes in, of course, which we'll talk a, lot, a, bit, a little bit about later. But, you know, you've had a stressful day. The kids have been annoying. All of these reasons, all of these things that you do throughout the day are things you're not used to doing as well. So it's new jobs, new chores, new new pressures, new stresses. So therefore you feel like you need a reward at the end of the day. So not only are you bringing it home, you're also creating an excuse to have it. Mm, so it's yeah. a double whammy. Yeah, it's relentless and alcohol you feel is giving you that break in between. Yeah. So yes, it's a very dangerous uh, space to be in and we might even talk about that in another podcast because there's so much to discuss around it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my next point was that it, make, um, it sort of makes everything easier. Yeah. Because everything, and everything's really boring at home sometimes, isn't it? All the yeah. chores that you've got to do. Boredom is one of the biggest reasons that we drink. We've done a whole episode on boredom. Yeah. Um, because <clears throat> boredom is something that plays into your drinking life. It's a reason that you drink a lot of the time, but it's also something that plays into your sober life that you have to manage to cope with. You're not coping with boredom when you have a drink you're just taking the edge off with a drink so if you think oh I've got to do the ironing or I've got to cook dinner if you have a drink while you're doing it it just makes that chore easier and less boring to do and um, it can actually make a dull evening feel way better again if I'm yeah. at home on my own <clears throat> As you know, Vic, I spend a lot of evenings at home on my own. Yep. Queen my, of the Hermits. Yeah, again. That, that's me. Um, I would have a drink because it was my company for the evening. I actually didn't need anybody else there because I had a bottle of red wine with me. And I saw that as my friend. An evening at home was not even worth having if I didn't have one or two bottles of wine with it. And interestingly, when I gave up drinking, because when I used to drink, I would have my bottle of wine, I'd light some candles, I'd put something on TV or put some music on. But lighting the candles was what was like, oh, I'm at home, I've got my wine, yes. I'm going to have a really nice night. When I stopped drinking, I didn't bother with the candles. I was like, it's not even worth lighting the candles because it's just yeah. going to be a shit evening because I haven't got alcohol. That was how it felt. But yeah. I will tell you that now a year and a half into sobriety, I do light my candles again. Okay, so you're getting the routine back, but without the booze. That's right. And also I'm like, it's going to be a nice evening. I don't need to have the booze to make it nice. I don't need the company of a bottle of red wine anymore. Because again, there, you're living for the short-lived high. You, don't, you know, we can make light candles, get a comfy couch ready, dim the lights, no matter where you are, in or out, you can create this perfect environment for drinking like you were doing. Mm. But how long are you aware of that environment? Like how much effort you put into making that environment perfect for your drinking behaviours? How long are you really present in that moment? Well, not very long. Not very long. The first moment you probably enjoyed the candle and then went, right, I'm going to neck a few glasses of wine. Like 
the, the candle was irrelevant at the yes. end of it, wasn't it? Yeah. After an hour. Wouldn't even remember to blow it out. Or no, always blow exactly. out the candles now, I tell you. Good girl. Health and safety. And I mean, that takes me on to my next point, which is that it can feel safer drinking at home. The world's become quite a dangerous place, Vic, hasn't it? It has recently. Um, you know, there's a pandemic. People are a bit nervous about going out still because of that. Terrorist attacks. I mean, we both used to go out in London a lot. Yep. London is not the place that it used to be. I was going out there when I was quite young. I was going out on my own. I would never let one of my kids do that if we ever went over there. It's a different place. It's a scary world. Sometimes it's easier just to go, say, I'm going to shut the door. Yeah. I'm going to have my party at home because I don't have to deal with any of the threats that might be out there. Maybe we're just old. Maybe we are just old. <laughs> but it is a scarier world. Oh, don't go out. All those youths. Yes, exactly. Well, it is a bit like that. The youths of today. <laughs> and also you feel so old <laughs> if you go into a bar. Yeah, so, that's true. So, Avoid going out. Exactly. That's actually a good point. Exactly. That's a brilliant point. Because I used to do mum dancing. I'd have a couple of glasses of wine. Everyone would sort of be young and trendy in there. And in my final years of drunk you know, mumming and drinking. Mm. I would be there with my feeding bra, with my big pants on, <laughs> oh, like dancing to Bon Jovi on the dance floor. It, and it just probably looked awful. I probably just looked like a dribbling old mess. Yeah, and I was always aware of that in those later drinking years as well. I was aware that I was really shouldn't be out. You yeah. know, there was a lot of people in that bar who were younger. They, yeah, go out and have fun. I was a little bit old for it, especially with the way I was behaving, and that made me feel a bit depressed and it would make me drink more. Yeah, make you drink at home. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't feel as judged if you don't go out and yeah. don't see anyone who can judge you. We live in a world where everyone seems to be really judgmental. Um, things like social media. Vic and I have said before that we're so grateful that we didn't drink through the days of yeah. social media because God knows what would have ended up on there. Um, sometimes it's easier just to stay in and drink so you don't end up uh, sort of on TikTok, yeah. gone viral <laughs> with your pants on your head. Yeah. Just stay at home. Keep yeah. it easy. Or someone else's pants on your head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, this is a good one. Mm. A lot of people are forced to drink behind closed doors because they're in a family situation they're not happy in. If they have a couple of drinks, they actually enjoy being with their family more. And I know it sounds really crazy, but a lot of people aren't happy with their home life. Yeah. So if they have a drink at home, it just makes make everyone relaxes and they might get on a bit better. And also the evening isn't so long and drawn out. Like when I used to drink, I remember that evenings would go quite quickly because I was just you know, thinking about the next drink and getting that down me and just getting pissed. Whereas now I find those situations quite intense. Like if it's like a big family dinner and I'm kind of looking at my watch, when can I leave? Because I find it harder to interact with people just because I'm sober now and everybody else is drinking. Mm. It's just a harder way of being. I'm not saying it's 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 be it's worse. It's not. It's better. But... There are some aspects of being sober and socialising, of course, which is why this podcast is called Sober Awkward, that, you know, it is longer and mm. it is harder and it is more stressful. But, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there because drinking people away is, is also very addictive. It really is, mm. yeah. And you just get on better with people. You're just a little bit more relaxed. You're a bit kinder to each other sometimes when you've had a drink. If you come in from work and your partner's there and you're grating against one another yeah, and you both have a drink... 
you're just going to get on better. You're going to try and ease it. But that's only, again, to a certain Temporary. point. It's a one glass situation yes. where, oh, this is nice. Let's relax. Have a lovely time. Then the bottle's finished. Then there's another bottle out. Then there's an argument. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to, and the morning after you both feel shit. And so then you argue even more. It's not the answer, but it is one of the reasons that we drink behind closed it doors. It is definitely a reason. Yeah. Um, one of the most obvious ones, of course, is that it's cheaper. Mm. I mean, alcohol is expensive. It is so much cheaper to drink at home. And I guess uh, you can drink more if it's cheaper. Yeah. yeah, If you can drink more, then you're in a dangerous place. Yeah. So it's a worrying thing. But one of the reasons that we drink at home is because it doesn't cost as much. Um, For me, um, I definitely drank at home. During the latter years, I would turn down invites and stay at home and drink because I wouldn't go out and make a fool of myself. Mm -hmm. Of course, I did because I might go on to WhatsApp and phone my family in the UK or start texting an old boyfriend or just take a photo of my left boob and put it on Instagram. Oh, can you send me that, that, please? (laughs) Me and Alan will have a look. I know you'll be desperate to see that. But yeah, you know, you still can make a fool of yourself, but you are limiting the the, the amount of damage you can do if you stay at home. Damage limitation. Yes, it is. It really is. But you do still manage to do it. It does your... your, um, Pissness does seep out into society somehow (laughs) (laughs) with horrible texts. Yeah. yeah. And the other, my last reason is that we drink behind closed doors because we don't have to keep our wits about us at home. Yeah. When you're out, you have to just have one eye on your behaviour or at least you certainly try to do that at the beginning of the night. By halfway through the night, you don't really give a shit anymore. But when you're at home, you can just drink and go into a totally relaxed place. You don't have to worry about getting home at the end of the night. You don't have to worry about getting chucked out of the bar. You just completely relax. You can just pass out on the floor. You can. Yes, which I know you've done a few times. I have. I certainly have, yeah. Yeah. All of these things would force you in the home. I I totally get it. It wasn't something I really did in my drinking days. Well, after I had kids, I did start to have a few wines at home with my husband. But I I wasn't really an at-home drinker, Lucy, we, di- we have very different drinking styles, Lucy and I, which if you guys have listened to the podcast for a while, you'll know. Lucy did turn into a stay-at-home drinker and I sort of pointed my finger at stay-at-home drinkers and thought, well, you guys have got a problem and my social drinking isn't as bad because everybody else around me is doing it, which is probably why it went on for so long was because I I just wasn't as... It, I felt like stay-at-home... Ex- drinkers were an extreme example of a drinker and I'm like well I'm all right Jack because I don't do that which is probably as I said why it continued but when I did drink at home I enjoyed it because of many of the reasons you've said Lucy and also because of course when you're at home you don't sleep with people random strangers well, you other, probably other than t- your partner yeah or you like can grind the sofa or depending you know, on how much you've drunk yeah have a sexy shower on your own <laughs> I don't worry, I've never done that. I don't know where that came from. So that's actually a benefit of of not going out. You've got a sure supply of booze. You can fill the fridge, you can fill 
everywhere up with as much blue as you like and you know you don't have to look at the level of your glass to see how much you've got left because that was my issue was like mm. god have I got to go and queue at the bar again I need another drink right now yes and also you can start off with really good intentions drinking at home and think well I'm just going to have this one bottle of wine but yes. over here in Australia I mean I had a off license bot- stroke bottle that was open until half past 11 at night right yes it was an hour and a half walk away did I do that walk yes I did yes, many did. times yeah. because there was somewhere that I could get another drink so you can drink as much as you want at home, really, and also with those alcohol delivery services as well. But Oof, you know, yeah. don't get us started with them. But I'm glad they weren't around in my day. Those so incredibly yeah. dangerous, dropping booze around people's houses who might have an alcohol problem. They are responsible if something goes wrong in that house for dropping yeah. that stuff off with no questionnaire, no questions, or no. Yeah. There should be some a list that you have to fulfil. I mean, I would have used it. I have to admit, of course, I would have used it. There was times in when I was living in Brighton where everyone wanted a beer, and you'd make someone walk to the Seven Eleven to try and get even just like a packet of Rizzo yeah, or something. Anything, anything. anything. Yeah. Oh, somebody go, somebody go. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's just reminded me of a funny story with somebody who I used to go out with. He obviously could see I had this problem with drinking. We went out on my birthday once. Mm. Um, it was when my kid, it was only not that long ago, actually, probably about three or four years ago. I went out for lunch. He was there. I had a number of friends there and my kids. Anyway, he and my kids came back to my house afterwards. And I, of course, was like, oh, let's have another drink. I didn't want yeah. another drink. You know what it's like. Can't stop. Got to have another one. And uh, he ordered off of a certain alcohol delivery service. We're not going to mention names on this podcast. Yeah, we don't want to advertise them. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh my God, where did you get it from? He was like, I'm not telling you. I am oh, not God. telling you where it came from because it's too dangerous. It's knowledge which is too dangerous in oh your hands. God. It's like he was like keeping his dealer a secret. It, that's <laughs> right. I can remember him doing it because I think it was just when the delivery services had started coming out. So I was amazed that someone God, had he, delivered alcohol. It's actually he, quite nice of him. It's like he cared yeah. about you enough to not give you the number. Well, he probably wanted me to have another few drinks then so he'd get a shag later. <laughs> yeah. But he, but he cared enough not to give me the number <laughs> so I could do it again. Uh, he wanted you half coherent <laughs> yes. and consensual, of course. <laughs> oh, dear, that's funny, Lucy. Yeah, so obviously if you're at home, you've got no one to answer to or tell you to stop. That is a huge bonus if you're a at home drinker. Well, if, yeah, well, and we say worry. bonus. Yeah, <laughs> and a huge worry. We're saying these things to make it clear that, you know, we we don't agree with these things now, but they're definitely things we would have done. Mm. Um, you can break things and not get thrown out. I mean, I used to have a habit when I was out of breaking pint glasses against speakers. Nice. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you that now. <laughs> How feminine yeah. of you. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my mate Bogfish, yeah. I once oh, caught her. Oh, it had her. to be with yeah, Bogfish, Bogfish, didn't it? <laughs> I want, Bogfish went, went missing once. She'll hate me telling you this story. She went missing in a nightclub, in the Zap Club. And we were like, where's she gone? Where's she gone? And she'd been going around collecting glasses and everyone thought she worked there. And she had a big stack of pint glasses. And when we found her, she had them all lined up next to the speaker. And she was smashing them on the ground and against the speaker one by one <laughs> on her own. Did she have some anger issues? I just think she was off her head. <laughs> it felt good. It would feel good. Mm. Don't recommend doing that, anybody. You would definitely get thrown out by a nice bouncer. Well, the, And the other side of that is, yes, it does. It is a reason that people drink at home because they don't break things when they're out and about but you actually break things in your own home well, yes you do and I've broken up that many times and 
found things that are broken, glasses oh, God, or yeah. red wine that's gone onto the carpet that I didn't see in time, went to bed, can't yeah. get it off. Yeah. Once I went out and there was a chunk of uh, marble out of the uh, work surface oh, yes, in my I remember kitchen. That. You didn't know how, how it got done. How on earth did I do yeah. that? I had no marks on me. God, I remember as a teenager as well, I used to spend, I mean, you do spend a lot of time drinking at home when your parents are away when you're a teenager. I used to have to rush around trying to get, you know, things marks out of the mahogany table and cigarette yeah, yeah. marks <laughs> like, like the yellow pages like advert. the yellow pages advert. Yeah. <laughs> anyone who is yeah. that our age in England will know what we mean yeah. god it was awful and trying to get marks off what the carpet polisher was yeah from. french polisher to get the french polisher around <laughs> yeah that was the problem with stay at home drinking was messing yeah. up your parents yeah, house that's right and trying not to get caught yeah. and then when you get older you mess up your own house which is even more annoying yeah. just stumble <laughs> into your own else's yeah. into your own life um one thing that's a bonus is you can be sick in your own toilet. Yeah. Much nicer than oh, a pub much toilet. More classy, or yeah. a urinal, which I did do once. Oh, I vomited sick. in a urinal. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. not surprised. Yes, disgusting. Being, oh, well, I vomited yeah. everywhere at some point in my life. I was a big vomiter mm. when I was drinking. Gross. Yes. But yeah. I used to enjoy, if I got drunk at home, at least I could be sick in my toilet. So with the benefit of expertise of all your years of vomiting, <laughs> you would say you're better off vomiting in your own toilet. Definitely. Yep, there or you in go. your own flower That's bed why or your own sink, pe- which I've done as well. <laughs> yeah. But oh. take the plug out first. Uh, or so you've you got don't have those to... drainer things in there. Yeah, take that out. Oh. oh, dear. Gosh, Lucy, the shame shed is in full force today. <laughs> Um, the freedom of sinking as low as you like. Yes. There you go. Yeah, well, that's kind of the judgment thing as well, isn't it? Which yeah. I was saying earlier, you just can just be as awful and as drunk yeah. and as comatose and as crazy as you like. You sit yeah. there with sick down the front of your top if you want. <laughs> yeah, lovely. <laughs> and, and you know, there's nobody who's going to tell you that you can't. That's if you haven't got family at home with you. Yes. Yeah, so, probably giving you a wide berth. Yeah, so there's two, there's two different types of drinkers that we're going to talk about here mm. in this situation behind closed doors, which is people who are single on their own, which it can get even worse for, mm. and also for people with her family, because then you've got other repercussions going on. Yeah, and of course, because I, when I first became a single mum, and I've mentioned it on here before, I think that was a point where my drinking did start spiralling down, because yeah. even though my ex-husband was a very heavy drinker as well so we were terrible because we encouraged one another to drink you know we were that couple that you know we have a couple of drinks we will have a better evening together so let's have a drink and if it wasn't one it was the other so we were always drinking together and then when I separated and I was a single parent with very young kids and as we know with young kids you can get away with drinking they don't really notice I started drinking and I realised that was quite cool, that there was nobody there to say, maybe don't have another. You've had enough. All that patronising, you've had had enough. No one would say that to me. So, yeah, definitely as a, um, a, a person alone at home drinking, it's a really, really dangerous bind to get yourself into. Yeah. Um, Apparently, there are people on this planet who can have a glass of wine and then leave the rest sitting around the house for a week or so. Really? Mm, fascinating species of human indeed, they Lucy. Are, they are. Then there's us, and most likely you, if you're listening. So why, for people such as ourselves, can drinking behind closed doors be so very dangerous? Well, for me, it's willpower. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm the same with a packet of biscuits or a yeah. bar of chocolate. My... um. 
my daughter's boyfriend's mum brought my daughter and her boyfriend a massive Ferrero Rocher Easter egg mm. for Easter, and they put it in the. They had a little bit. I don't know how they did that. A little just bit. Really yeah. annoys me when people do that. It does annoy me. Anyway, yeah. Put it in the fridge, and it was massive. I could not open the fridge without mm. seeing it. And then my daughter and his and her, um, her boyfriend went away to Brisbane for three nights. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> by, the time, yeah, by the time they got back, it, I'd eaten it all. I'd, I'd bought them another box of Ferrero Rocher to say, I'm so sorry. I, I just couldn't help it. It was there. Don't ever leave it in the fridge if you don't want it to be eaten. And then I gave them this box of Ferrero Rocher. Within that night, I was creeping downstairs <laughs> to their room to see if there are any left. I was like, no wonder I was such a pisshead. I'm God, terrible. Yeah. Once it's in your brain, it's like you create it. Like, oh, yeah. I want one. So therefore, you're creating the need for it yourself. Yes. And also, same with wine. It's like saying, I may as well just get rid of it, and then it's done because yes. it's messing with my head. Yes. And, you know, thinking about drinking. I'm just going to drink the bloody stuff, and then it's done. As if I'm doing something really good and just get getting the chore out of the way. I'm just having an image of you, like in your horrible jammies, like chocolate <laughs> all over your face. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it was like. Not caring about anybody, just like, oh, I'm just going to eat the whole fucking thing. Yeah, got to get rid of it. <laughs> Cursing them for leaving it in the fridge. Why would you leave it there? Why didn't they eat it? Why aren't <laughs> other people pigs like me? Um, oh, funny. And, and um, of course, for people such as ourselves, Vic, um, and we talked before about how drinking at home is so much cheaper, but you, know, you pour yourself a glass of wine and it is not a glass of wine that you would get in a restaurant. It's probably about four times larger than that. Probably. I mean, you see those memes, don't you, of people with those massive glasses of wine. and Astronaut helmet size. Yeah. I used to say I'd like an astronaut helmet size (laughs) glass of wine to the barman when I was out. But was that big enough? It wasn't even big enough. That's how big their head was. Fishbowl. That's what I wanted. (laughs) Fish tank. An aquarium full. I'd like an aquarium full of wine. An aquarium of wine, please, sir. So if you drink at home on your own, you can, if you wish, fill up an aquarium with wine and drink it. And that's really dangerous. (laughs) But this is the point. You can do it. And that's why for people like us, drinking at home is so dangerous. We can drink as much as we want. And there's no one there to tell us off and say, drink a glass of water. Even though we know from William Porter, drinking water doesn't really make any difference. You've still got to process the alcohol, which is what causes the hangover. Exactly. Um, and yes, it, drinking alcohol at home or drinking it in a bar, it's still going to affect, affect you. Yeah. Exactly. That is interesting because I yes. guess I did used to think drinking at home, it wasn't going to be as strong as drinking out. But it's. But the thing is, the hangover might not be as bad because you haven't got the repercussions of all of the terrible things you've done or made a tit out of yourself. So you'd have a hangover, but perhaps you wouldn't have as much severe anxiety. Yeah, that's true. It might be a bit different. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And also, I suppose if you're in, if you go out, you might go out for dinner as well or a kebab or something like that. And that isn't going to help. Stuff your gut up. Yeah, people might be smoking, so you decide to have a smoke. Mm. There's a lot more around you that could make you feel bad. But at the end of the day, the alcohol is exactly the same, even though for some reason it feels like it's a little bit healthier drinking at home. It isn't. It is not. But I did used to feel that a little bit, and I've only just admitted it. (laughs) (laughs) Just put that out there to people. That was really weird. The shame booth, but it's also the the booth of letting go of all our past traumas. Yeah, and the the realisation and the honesty. The honesty um, booth. Yeah. Um, I hope that at least one other person out there is going, yeah, um, I, I felt it. a bit like that as well. And not everyone is going, God, she's really weird for thinking that. <laughs> Why would anyone think that? Um, look, there's um, the other thing was, which we just talked about as well, was how we 
break things um, around the house, but we can injure ourselves quite badly. Vic, you mentioned earlier that I have passed out a few times. I actually did that once in front of my kids and their friends. I tripped over the bottom of my trousers in the kitchen and landed face first down on the kitchen floor and passed out. Awful. Um, Yeah, and it is a real worry um, about doing that if I'm on my own at home, if anyone is fall down the stairs or something like that. There's just nobody around to help you if something mm. goes wrong. Yeah, I um, I had a friend that died who had been sick in their mouth while they were drinking. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, in a long time ago when I lived in Brighton, some, that happened to somebody I knew. So they were on their own. They'd gone for, you know, I don't know whether they'd been drinking at home or whatever, but they ended up at home on their own and had, had regurgitated and it actually, it actually killed them. Gosh, that's such a sad story. Yeah. Were they a young, they, a young yeah, university young. student? Yeah. Oh my goodness, you don't hear about that very much, do you? But it can. You happen. do hear that it happens, though, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. It is a worry. I mean, when my kids, when my eldest daughter goes out and has a few drinks, mm. I do have to keep checking on her because I'm worried that might happen. Mm. There's an amazing scene in the Vigil. Is it called the Vigil with Stephen? Who's that um, Geordie actor? I can't remember his name. Um, it's called the Vigil. Anyway, and they have a drinking scene in it. I think it's on Netflix at the moment or Stan and they have a drinking scene that lasts about 20 minutes in in the show Stephen Graham that's who it is brilliant actor and it's him starting his night off he's an alcoholic and he starts his night off and he's at the, he's at the pub and he's like oh go on I'm gonna have one beer and it, it just his night deteriorates and it's this massive long scene he ends up in the pub toilet snorting coke with the pub de- the, you know with the drug dealer and then he ends up in the flat on his own covered in vomit it's just like that and he's on his own anything could have happened to him I really highly recommend watching that mm. because it's very very confronting and I even though when I watched it I thought god that's a terrible alcoholic I have done exactly that that whole scene highly recommend that programme what's everybody. it called? I think it's called The Vigil Okay, it's about an alcoholic going back to Ireland to find his family Brilliant it was. Ah, oh, do you know, I think I might have seen I think it, I actually. sent it to you and yeah. said, watch it. Yeah, Stephen yeah. Graham's always amazing in everything he's in. Yeah, so it is, it's incredibly dangerous. And and that is why people such as ourselves shouldn't be doing it. And another reason is that you might have kids at home while you're drinking, guilty of that one for many years, but not anymore. Not only are you putting your kids in danger, you know, young kid in the bath, you go off to get another glass of wine or goodness mm. knows what. Or even not turning off the oven or leaving the front door unlocked. Yeah. I mean, good. The list is endless, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, but you're also giving them a terrible message mm. that you need to drink at home and you're not going to be doing them any favours at all if they see mum or dad walking around the house bedtime story with a glass of wine next no. to them. Did that many times. And know. also, you're passing on the message that I your behaviour makes me need to drink. Yes. Like you are stressful, you're hard work, so therefore you children are causing me to have a drink now. So there's like some sort of blame going on there. Mm. It's like this is your fault, which isn't healthy at all, is it? It really isn't. And I will say from my experience of having drunk through most of my children's childhood and then having stopped when they turned, I think they were, what were they, 16? 16, yeah. 16 and... um, 14. 14. No, yeah, 16 and 13 they yeah. were. So it, it really does make a difference. You can, If you have been drinking throughout their whole childhood, you've been drinking at home or you've been doing all the chores and you think, oh, well, you know, I've done the damage to my kids now anyway. There's no point stopping. There is because they do notice that you've stopped. They know that one of the reasons that you stopped is because of them and you pass on a whole new message. Yeah, it and really, you're at really home. Your home it. has become a safer place for them yeah. now. 
Yeah, and mum's present. Mum's present. She's there. She's there. She's not drunk, and you mm. can. She's reliable. Yeah, her words aren't slurring because kids pick up on that so quickly. Yeah, my kids could tell when I'd had half a glass of wine. Yeah, they become so tuned into it. Your kids shouldn't have to be doing that. Yeah, that's that's a that in itself is really really important and really major for your, you and your children and for anybody listening. You know, Lucy's changed dramatically, and her kids now. You know. Your relationship with them has changed. I mean, it it's has. not always easy with any family, but to know that you're there for them is huge, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And they love that I gave up drinking. Love it. Yeah. They are so proud of me. That's amazing. I mean, my little Georgie the other night, I nearly cried with joy. We were just sitting watching something and there was a drunk guy on it. And he just turned to me and said, Mummy, I've decided I'm never going to drink. I'm going to drink alcohol-free beers. I was like... Brilliant, Georgie. I would absolutely love it if you did that. I mean, if he did that, I would be what everything that I've ever mm. done is worthwhile. Yes. Because he doesn't need to numb out and, you know, end up drinking at home like we're talking about. He can just be himself. And I'd be so proud well, of that. He's comparing your, you yes. and his dad, yeah. John, um, who aren't drinking at home to these people that he's seeing on TV. Kids yeah. don't have to look for, far on TV. I mean, it's everywhere to yeah. see the effects of alcohol on people. And he's probably thinking, I don't really like that. My mum and dad don't do that. I prefer their behaviour and that's the way I want to be. So true. That's a really huge point there. I really, really love that 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 we can help send that message out there to people that it is going to be better for you, but it's also going to be so much better for your kids. Yeah. So when you're at home, you end up consuming more, which can obviously lead to the addiction in itself because you drink more, the alcohol's there, you may as well have another glass and therefore the cycle mm -hmm. begins. So yeah. that is really, really dangerous. Topping up in the morning, again, it's there in the cupboard. You're feeling really hungover. What's better than the hair of the dog to sort that yeah. out? You've got no accountability if you're there on your own, like a single mum, like you were, Lucy. It's really, really hard to go, right, I probably shouldn't have one, but I'm going to anyway. And even if you do want to try and be accountable to yourself, you lose count. Yeah, you, of course you lose count. Yeah. How many have I had? Who cares? Yeah. You yeah. Or you sort of think, oh, I've only had one or two. And you know, how many times is it when you're drinking a bottle of wine at home and you're pretty sure you've only had like a quarter of it I and then you look and known. it's nearly yeah. empty? Yeah. How did that happen? It's just crazy. It just gets out of control, doesn't mm. it? You become accustomed to your own toxic behaviours, which is exactly what you're saying there. Like you don't really care. You don't care about yourself. You don't care about the drinking. So, And it's all got so toxic already. So you sort of become like it's part of you, like so habitual yeah. that there's no point in even addressing it because it is your identity after a while. Um, of course, what we talked about was drunk texting if you're at home, making excuses for yourself. You know, you, you can not remember anything. You might have offended people. There's all these other things that come along with it. Um, your head is never clear enough to make healthy decisions if you're drinking at home every night. So you wake up hungover, you have a day at work, it's probably stressful, you start drinking again. So there's no clarity, there's no space between your drinking because if you're drinking at home, you're probably doing it every day. So therefore, not only are you creating addiction, you're not going to have the time or space to actually think, perhaps I should stop doing yeah. this. So therefore, the habit gets worse and worse yeah, Or and to worse. have that feeling of what it's like not to drink, which is a good feeling. Exactly. To even have a few days where you don't have any toxins in mm. your body and go, oh, actually, I quite like this. Yeah. Um, so, and another one is you don't end up getting invited out after a while, probably, which is dangerous in itself because then... You get lonely and then all you've got yourself is you, you to answer to. Yeah, you can I, become yeah, yeah. bitter and angry 
and strong emotions and of course what do strong emotions lead to drinking drinking that, yes i'm living proof of that vic because i did used to go out a lot and I had a lot of drinking buddies and then in the last couple of years of me not drinking I used to start turning down invites for exactly the reason I spoke about earlier because I could drink more at home I wasn't judged at home it was just easier I didn't have to get home at the end of the night which was always a struggle Mm. didn't have to end up with the police bringing me home which did happen before because I couldn't get myself right there (laughs) I'm just gonna have one of these bliss balls Lucy oh okay we'll go for it oh it looks like a Oh, it, I think it bollock. might have gone mouldy. It's been in there so long. <laughs> it feels a bit waxy. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> oh well, you enjoy yourself over there. Look, drinking at home, out of sight, is a perfect scenario for denial drinking. We hide ourselves away with no one to explain our actions to but ourselves. We tell ourselves over and over that what we that we are doing no harm to ourselves or to others, but we are definitely are. We really are. Everyone knows if you tell yourself something over and over again you will start to believe it and this is where the danger lies so let's talk about some of the red flags that your drinking at home needs to stop so some of those signs where it should be ringing the alarm bells yes if your ears are pricking up yeah at home these these are things to really pay attention to. And I think it is really important because it is hard to recognise that problem because mm. it's always like, oh, I'm only... Because you're at home is an excuse. You don't feel, I'm not out partying, I'm at home. Mm-hmm. You're always telling yourself that it's okay. And you've only got yourself to tell that to. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I think what you mentioned earlier, Vic, was drinking earlier and earlier. Yes, I was so dangerous. Yeah, that's something I was definitely doing. I was like four o'clock was acceptable. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it would even be before that. Did you ever drink at lunchtime, Lucy? I was never a lunchtime drinker. Mm. It's funny how we say, oh, no, I don't drink at lunchtime like I'm the bloody yeah. angel. But it was my but thing was to say, oh, no, I don't drink, I don't <laughs> drink at lunchtime. Then we'd sink four bottles after four o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> I, but <laughs> we was, didn't drink at lunchtime, so we're funny, okay. It's funny. <laughs> if you really look into that, it's a real, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's like making excuses for ourselves. Yes. Oh, I don't drink at lunchtime, but therefore I can get fuck-faced later on in the day. Yes, and I haven't got and a I'm problem. And I'm still okay because and I haven't I got did, a problem. Yeah, I didn't do that. Well, I wasn't in the gutter. It's yeah. that old classic one. I don't end up in the gutter at the end of the night. I'm not in rehab. Yeah. I don't drink at lunchtime. All those yeah. are excuses that we're doing okay mm. and we're actually not mm-hmm. um, and that's where that highly functional drinking yes, comes in yes I was going to say that well. reminds me of that episode yeah, yeah. Um, you know if we if we were managing to do everything and I certainly was I mm. was really really performing as a mum mm. I was doing everything I needed to do and that was my excuse well I'm doing all this mm. I've got a business I've got a house my kids are okay I might be drinking three bottles of wine a night but because I can do it and still survive and everyone around me is happy I thought they were, yep. then I don't have a problem with my drinking. No one's noticed. You feel yeah. noticed. By the way, that Bliss Ball is like the most delicious thing I've ever eaten in my life. Oh, is it good? It is really good. You've got to have one in a minute. Yeah, I will do. I've actually got one at home. <laughs> have you? <laughs> I've got oh, yeah, my one. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth one that wouldn't fit in. Um, you know, th- there's that feeling of needing alcohol. Alcohol, if you drink it properly, if you understand really why it's there, it's for things like a celebration, mm-hmm. a wedding, have a glass of champagne to celebrate the happy couple. Yeah. If it can be used in that way there's n- and you can do that, then go ahead have and the have one a drink. Glass. Yep. If you feel you need a drink to get dinner ready for yourself and the kids or whoever it is, 
or you need it to do a bit more work on your computer at night or you need it to do the ironing, then you, you probably have got a problem. Um, so if you feel, if you have a feeling of need for alcohol, there's red flags flying there. Um, and also have a think about what you're doing around the house. If you are vacuuming with a glass of red in one hand yeah. or bathing the kids with a bottle of, with a vodka and tonic next to you, mm then that isn't right. Think of the things that you're doing around the house. You know, these are things that you should be doing that stop you drinking because you don't need to drink while you're doing them. I mean, I used to drink while I was doing pretty much everything at home. Yeah. Everything. Um, and it's not a good look. When I was um, quite a while ago, I think when I still lived in the UK and my kids were very young, I used, I think I mentioned before, I used to make all of their baby food. But in order to do that, I mean, the things that I would drink and take to stay up God, late enough at night terrible, to be able to do it. it, to give my kids something healthy to eat, all homemade, you oh, know, kidding sitting ourselves. there. It's like a trick, yeah, a brain cutting trick. Cutting up all the little things of like oh, sizes for I them. Yes. And take then, another sleeping pill. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever it was, yeah. you know, and I won't mention it but you know I shouldn't have been doing it while I was making food for the for the kids um so just have a think about some of the things you were perhaps doing last night around mm. the house while you were drinking should yeah. you have been drinking while you were doing them or does that is that a sign that there's a red flag flying there yeah um, if you're drinking to feel normal, so if you are waking up, you feel shit and you're kind of looking at your watch all day thinking, when can I have another drink? Because I know when I have that drink, I'm going to feel better. Um, and actually what that is doing is just bringing up, you up to a level of normality. Um, another sign that you are drinking too much at home is that you're on first name terms with the alcohol delivery person, uh, possibly trying to sleep with them. Definitely would yeah. have done that. Yeah. Um, you're making calls, sending messages to people and you don't remember till you look at your phone the next morning. We talked about that Oh, yes, already. and watching Downton Abbey, remember? Oh, yes, You watched Downton, Downton Abbey a few times without remembering it, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, a number of Netflix shows. Yeah. Even now I come across Netflix series that I have watched but I don't remember any of it so I'll watch it again yeah I only the other day I was watching one and I'm like little bits of it come back to me. I know I've watched it yeah I can't remember it. I can only remember probably about five percent of it that's a sign but the problem is well, I know we're talking about these things like these signs as to why we're drinking too much but because alcohol is normalized I would probably go to someone oh, ha ha wasn't it funny last night I watched an episode of Downton Abbey and I couldn't remember a bloody thing about it ha 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 so I would make my behavior into a joke and laugh it off whereas in fact that's not funny the fact that I've blacked out mm. at home on my own watching a tv show but we all laugh about these we things do. like it's totally normal like we we do it all the time and yeah. everybody does it all the time. So therefore we're making it okay. Whereas in fact, that's not okay. And what a bloody waste of time. It takes ages to work your way through Netflix at that rate. Yeah. And to miss Downton Abbey seems a bit sad because oh, it's no. bloody brilliant. Well, you know that Downton Abbey is a trigger for me. I couldn't yeah, I know I it couldn't yeah, watch no, the movie. I can't watch the movie. I still yeah. can't watch it. I'm going to come in a sort of Edwardian dress next week just to get, <laughs> trigger you. <laughs> Oh, and I loved it so much. God, they drank a lot on it. I did. And this is the problem as well. It's yeah. normalised in our homes through our TV screens. Yes, because it's beaming everything in. you watch yeah. has got alcohol in it. It is uncanny. And a lot of things on Netflix now and Stan or whatever you watch are actually themed around alcohol. Like you were just talking mm. about that show earlier where yeah. it was someone who had this alcohol addiction. 
a lot of the problems of people you watch on these shows come back to alcohol every time. Yeah. I'm like, gosh, what? Oh, God, how many alcoholics in this show? It's like you can count yeah. them. It's like the tit count you used to have on Sunday Sport. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's changed. There Nipple are so, count. There are so many. That, I'll yeah. just explain to the Australian listeners. There used to be a, a newspaper in England called the. It was the Sunday Sport, wasn't it? Where on the front page, not only did you have the date, <laughs> you also had the nipple count, which was the amount of women's nipples that appeared in that that paper that oh, day. We are a classy nation. So we have nation. now the booze count, which when I'm watching TV at night, I count how many people are drinking and how many people have a problem because it always stems back to alcohol, any trauma or anything. On any TV show, it always seems to be, especially a detective show. It really is. It's always the detective has a booze problem. Yeah. Yeah, so we and, have the booze count, and, not the nipple and count. if you are trying to... Um, talk yourself into it being okay to drink at yes. home and then you turn on the TV and there's somebody a detective yeah. or somebody really high up in a show yeah. having a drink who you love and yeah and respect and you've got a bottle of wine or some beers or a bottle of mm. vodka in the cupboard and you're thinking I'm not going to have one I'm not going to have one I'm not going to have one you turn on the TV and there's someone having one when they come home from work it normalises it and you think well why don't I I'm yeah. not doing anything wrong it no. really doesn't help us not to drink at home it's amazing how you can change your own mind like that. It's like that. What's that? Oh, it's so easy. Neuroplasticity. And we yes, talked about it before. Yes. Like you can go, oh, find- I don't really want to drink. Oh, but they're doing. Go on then. Yeah. Find it's excuses. That simple. So easy to yeah. find those excuses. Um, another red flag is that your family around you, who you live with, are commenting or possibly even begging you to stop drinking. Yeah. Um, kids as well. Um, sometimes kids say, "Look, mum, you've had enough." Don't have mm. any more. That is a massive red flag. Um, you know, listen to those people. They are the ones that care for you. Mm-hmm. And the other one I put down here was that you associate home with drink. So That's a shame, that one, I would say. Yeah. Sad, that one. Yeah, because it used to be you'd go out to a bar and those are the places you'd associate with drink. Home shouldn't be associated with alcohol and getting yourself off your head and pouring something into your body that's actually going to make you feel depressed and down. It should be about roast dinners and love and all the wonderful things in life being in your home. It Mm. should be your place of safety and kindness and respect and all of those things that the word home means. Mm. But when you're drinking at home, it becomes a toxic environment. It, It becomes a dangerous place. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, I was never really a home drinker, which is, again, why my drinking probably went on so long, because I did that pointy finger thing and thought, well, they're the real problem drinkers. Mm. Um, so I did put it out to the community, this one, to find out what their response was and what their red flags are and what their reasons are for being stay-at-home drinkers. Um, I had so many responses to this one, because a lot of the people, their drinking had changed. It had gone as we all do, we start going out as a teenager and we're out drinking. And then it changes for some reason, for whatever reason, it changes and you end up being at home, which does make it feel a bit more sinister. Um, One lady said she drank at home because she felt like it was the only thing she had control over. It reminds me of people who suffer from anorexia. It's like food. It's the only thing they have control over, whether it's due to trauma or whatever. And they feel like that's the one thing that's theirs, like they own it. almost like Gollum's precious ring isn't it this is mine and my thing so therefore I control it and I can keep it to myself like a secret it's really addictive that and really there is no control there is no control control, but 
we have This is mine, my precious mm. booze. Yeah. Um, and the lady who wrote to me was actually in a violent relationship and she was using alcohol to numb it out, but also like to take control of, of her situation. She was actually emailed to say that she was 90 days sober now and listens yeah. to the podcast. Brilliant. So thank you to her. There were 20 responses about becoming mums, how they'd gone from being out to being at home, exactly what we talked about. The isolation, the stress, your temper building, new emotions, kids being in bed was a reward and you get tired of the four walls that surround you. Mm. You just get bored. Um, And the other thing was adult time that came up there. I say it in inverted Mm. commas again. It was, oh, well, let's go and have our adult time, which basically means let's go and get pissed together now the kids are in bed. That is a very common theme that ran through this was people saying right it's just me and my husband's time to relax and to watch tv and have a glass of wine which would turn into a bottle or two or three um a habit that people had that was getting out of control mm-hmm. um the other one is people are being scared of going out and getting injured which is what we talked about one lady said she still tripped over the cat at home so it didn't really make any difference yeah. she still woke up with bruises well that's it we don't go out because we don't want to injure ourselves or get into trouble but we can do it at home just as easily yeah her cat was her wake up yeah. call she said one guy said he drank purely because he was lonely he had red flags which mm-hmm. were four bottles of empty wine bottles on the side in the kitchen when he woke up but loneliness is a huge thread amongst the people who drink at home, I think, don't you? I think it is, yeah, definitely. And alcohol is like a friend. It is like having another person in the room. Yeah, you can have a little party in your head, can't you? I remember, you know, sitting at home, you'd be bored and then have a couple of glasses of wine and feel like, oh, well, I'm having a quite a nice time now. Yeah, you feel like you're not alone when yeah. you're drinking. Which is, and yeah. it's, all, it's all an illusion. It is an illusion. And also uh, something that comes with sobriety is the feeling of like if I'm ever I don't feel lonely anymore because I trust myself and I'm happy with my own company whereas a fact loneliness might mean you're kind of maybe a bit codependent and you need somebody else to make you happy whereas in fact when you get sober you realize you don't need other people to make you happy and that's a really good reason to not drink actually and I think that sort of goes back to me lighting the candle you know I felt that um if I was if I had if I was drinking then I felt like I had company and I didn't feel lonely and it was worth making an effort around the home and then when I stopped drinking it took me a while I did feel quite lonely you feel empty yeah when you stop drinking you feel like there's no point really doing anything because I don't feel great but if you continue into sobriety you start to like yourself more and you think actually this me being in on my own is fine I'm really happy with my own company yeah I don't need a bottle of wine I'm gonna light the damn candle tonight and funnily enough Lucy we say that about loneliness and boredom those are words that come up a lot related to sobriety but nowadays I never feel bored because I just, if I'm bored, I'm just relaxing and being at peace. Yeah. And I never, ever feel lonely. because You reframe boredom, don't you? Yeah, and loneliness. Because, like, what is, you know, you've got to learn to be at one with yourself on this path, I think. Well, and also, if you do feel lonely, it's so easy to band-aid over it with um, some alcohol yeah. in the evening at home on your own, rather than recognising why am I lonely and what can I actually do about this? What's a healthy thing I can do yeah. to help this problem long-term, which might mean that you have to go and join some groups, do some online dating, yeah, do catch something. up with old friends. Yeah. But you're not doing any of that while you're sitting at home on your own drinking. And all you're doing is drowning your sorrows, I mm. guess, where that, that phrase comes comes from like you're drowning yeah. out your sorrows which is never ever going to help anyone or anything um there was lots of emails about the pandemic people being forced to drink at home 
um, it's going to have a big aftermath that I do think the race mm. of alcohol um, addiction will rise over the next few years because of that exact problem. Of course, you've got to stay at home. And actually, we had an email. We talked about this in our pandemic episode. A lady emailed because we were saying it was terrible how the bottle shops stayed open. And a lady actually emailed me after that podcast to say it wasn't because they were, you know, it was a tax for the, for the government to make more money on tax because they weren't getting much tax money during that during that period. It's actually because the bottle shops stayed open and the off license stayed open selling alcohol because there the repercussions of there being so many alcoholics out there that couldn't get alcohol. It meant people would die from seizures, mm. so they had to keep them open to keep the alcoholics in their booze. That's incredible, and I suppose mm. it would have also put too much pressure on the health system. Exactly, um, when they were already full with exactly. their problems from the pandemic we thought it was really bad that they'd kept them open but actually perhaps it was good because we didn't you know you don't want people dying but my goodness but yeah doesn't that show show you how bad it's got that shows how big the problem is Mm. right there um of course we said cheaper a lot of people said that one you don't have to drive anywhere one lady said she couldn't drive anywhere because she had a dui so therefore she had to stay at home and her drinking changed dramatically after that yes she was forced to home um Embarrassed about being the quickest drinker. I thought that was a good one because that would be one of mine. People are embarrassed when they go out that they're the one up at the bar filling up every two minutes when everyone else has just had one glass, which was exactly me. Yeah, you can't funnel it in fast enough, can you, in a bar? No. Um, No interruptions, exactly that. People don't want to be waiting at the bar. They just want to shovel it down their neck as quickly as they can. Um, Scared of getting the sack from an office job, one lady said. She was so scared. She loved her job, but she was so scared about going out with her, Mm. her fellow employees because she was scared of making a fool out of herself or something saying something awful to the boss so she stayed at home drinking to avoid getting the sack from her job I I, I had to stop going to office parties um, I had to say no to them because I couldn't trust myself and there's that joke, free bar what's that joke um, the worst thing about office parties is looking for a new job the next morning yeah. I mean it couldn't be truer spot on <laughs> Dear, oh dear. Um, This is probably a local one to us, but this came up with um, the listeners out there. Um, People whose husband or partners worked away, they tended to get stuck in when they were at home alone. Mm. When their partners were gone, it was like a sort of free-for-all, let's get pissed or I'm going to get pissed on my own. Here they have something called FIFO, which means fly in, fly out. Um, And the culture of drinking around the Sunshine Coast where we live... A lot of people work away and then come back. So the partners are not only left to drink, but also the people go away, work really hard in the mines or on an oil rig or something like that. And then they come back and then it's drinking time. So all of their time at home ends up being based around alcohol because it's their time to relax and have fun. It's almost like a holiday coming home. That is very, very toxic and really prevalent where we live. Um Finishing the night off, some people would go out and start drinking at home because they hadn't had enough alcohol while they were out and eventually would get home and finish the night off with some booze. Always. Always. So in the end, people work out, actually, why am I even going out? Yeah. I may as well just drink at home. Just give give up the going out bit. Give up the going out. Um 
fuel for doing chores, which was something you said, and people like doing chores. <laughs> well, well, pissed. I can understand that. I hate doing chores. Yeah. Teachers, some teachers message us to say that there's a culture in schools where all the women talk about what wine they're going to have after school, after teaching kids all day. And another lady emailed to say that she had been unhappy in her relationship um, and she couldn't bear her husband touching her and she had to drink at home because she couldn't bear to go to bed with him at night, yeah. which I guess is common yeah. too. So they're all short-term numb-outs from the general pressures of life, whether it's work or at home, there's always going to be reasons, general reasons why you turn to drink at home. So these people, they came in on Cuppa yeah. and made these comments. So if um, after listening to this podcast, you have any comments, you can go on to Cuppa and yes. join in the chat over there. Yeah. And um, also Vic will put on there what our next topic is. So you can have your say before and Definitely. we can share your comment without your name. Yeah, there's lots of people on Cuppa now. So there's a whole community of people chatting about alcohol. You just go to cuppa.com community you can put that in your browser or you can download the app which is a mighty networks app but it's going hugely well so thanks for everybody who's joined that yeah so have your say in our podcast and um, by going on there and popping in a comment um so look from what you said basically vic lots of people have said that their drinking generally became more sinister and problematic when it went behind closed doors yeah um it sort of descended into a more serious issue so it's not just not just me <laughs> No, it's everybody, I think. <laughs> but it, it is really key to my drinking. But I, I think it must be for so many people. Um, but interesting as well, your side of it, Vic, that because the behind closed door drinkers were another opportunity to point a finger and say, I'm not doing that. Mm. It was an excuse for you to carry on drinking the way you were doing it. Yeah. So we've all got our different styles, we haven't do. we? But yeah. I think this is one, this behind closed doors is becoming more and more prevalent and something we have to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, in the absence of a bouncer to chuck you out of your own home for bad behaviour, what are some ways to break the cycle of drinking behind closed doors? Here's just a couple of tips. One of the things I say is don't Google, am I an alcoholic? Because you will always <laughs> lie. And you can always find the answer you want on Google. Yeah, they're silly. It's like filling in one of those doctor's questionnaires. Although I did fill one in the other day and it was like, no, I don't smoke. No, I don't drink. And I, I felt, you very felt very smug. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was good. Don't lie to yourself, people. That's a really huge one. Stop lying to yourself. What you're doing is harming yourself. And we don't want you to do that because you, you're worthy of, of having a lovely life. So stop lying to yourself and, and get help and support that you need. Um, if you're like a hermit like Lucy, the online world is, you know, the door to your freedom in this sort of you can, you know, if you're drinking from home, you've got a computer or a laptop there, you can start Googling about sober and sober curious and and what's going on in this whole world of alcohol because once you start to see the bigger picture and realizing that your own behavior is is toxic to you and your life then you will start questioning so do make a pact with yourself to do better do it for you do it for your baby do it for your husband do it for somebody or yourself. It's really important that you make a pact with yourself to try and do better. We always say that, Lucy. We're all a bit fucked up, but we're trying to do better. Um, if you're lonely, find a flatmate, preferably a sober one, to come and you know come and be with you and be sober with you. That's always a good good thing because me and Lucy like having mates that are sober, don't we? It's a lovely thing. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. If you can, get away for a few days. Try and leave that toxic environment. You know, break up with alcohol for a few days and try something new. Of course, if you 
have a real severe drinking issue, we recommend that you go and see a doctor, of course, because if you suddenly drop the alcohol, you might have seizures and that can cause all sorts of other issues. So you don't. if, if you are a real extreme drinker, I guess we would say, we, we recognise this vast spectrum of drinkers. But if you feel like you would have a seizure or be very unwell, you, you would need to consult a doctor before doing any of these things. Um, phone a friend, tell them that you need help. Um, study is something that sober people suddenly mm. do. It's like, right, I've I've become sober. Now what do I do with myself? Your brain starts functioning. So study, study. Loads of people become counsellors and therapists and work in all sorts of areas of alcoholism after becoming sober. It's a really fascinating topic once you see the science behind it and the science behind addiction. So do something new. Do something like that. Um Sometimes you might have to dump your partner in crime. If there's somebody at home mm. who's really toxic and you can't get away from them, you're going to have to change that situation. Tell them you've decided to change. Or the other option, of course, which is even better, is to commit to changing together. That is also an option. So if you can somehow get the person that you drink with to do it with you, then that is going to be a huge support. But again, as we always say on this podcast, you have to keep your eyes on your own paper in this process. You have to do what's right for you first. Yeah, I agree with all of those. And I like the one about study, Vic. I mean, it's all about having all this time that you free up. Yeah. And it's really important to try and fill that with something functional. Something positive. Yes, because if you don't, you might find yourself getting bored and going back to drinking. Yeah. But don't do anything too quickly. Give yourself some time um, before you decide what it is you want to do. But there are so many things that you just said there that I agree with. The other one, broken record. I know I am, but I knit. Yes, the Um, knitter. I, I did just say me because it just I've got gave knits and you knit. Have you? I no, you they are. Your I did get earlier. the knit letter. I did get the knit letter from school <laughs> yesterday. Then you probably have got knits. Yeah, probably. Oh, knits, great. crabs, everything. Needed that. Loads of animals crawling around. Need on that like a, need that like a insect one of in my the head. Ailments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought we'd done that one. Thank I've got, goodness. I've got new ones since the last. Podcast. <laughs> There's always more. There's always more. <laughs> um, yeah, but just something like it's something arty or crafty, something where you're using your hands, even if you're not a creative person. I am not I found that really helpful never in a million of years did I think that knitting would help me but it did so think outside the box your knitting was crucial to you at that stage it was it was it really was it kept your hands busy it kept your mind occupied it was like the perfect thing yeah, goodness knows why. I don't know where it came from. I'd never had a desire to knit Amazing. in my So go with what feels right for you, even yes. if it's not something that you'd usually do. Yeah. Another thing is to get out of the house. If the house has become quite a toxic place for you and you're spending lots of time in it because it where it's where you can drink, mm. it might be a good idea to arrange some more activities outside of the house. You know, join a pottery class. Yes. So at least one evening a week you're out doing something that's different. The house is meant to be a safe space, but you may have turned it into a place that isn't as safe, so you might need to step away from it a little bit. Something else that you can do around the home is you can redecorate or you can change your space. So it's more of like a non-drinking zen. Hmm. My house has changed a lot in the year and a half that I've stopped drinking. I've actually been sober enough to redesign my kitchen. Got rid of the bar. 
Got rid of the bar, yeah. Got rid of all the optics, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got rid of the stained carpet, yeah, and all the, the beer all the evidence yeah. of those drunk, drunken, debaucherous nights on my own. I've got, I've got lots of plants now which I can care for because I'm not too pissed to water them or too hungover to give a shit. Yeah. Um, so my space has changed a lot, and it's made a great difference. So it's a different house to what I was drinking in. Um, understand as well that lots of failed attempts. At moderation mean that you cannot do it. You might listen to this podcast and think, I'm going to have another go. I'm going to not drink uh, on weeknights. I'm only going to drink at the weekend. Please, people, if you've been saying that to yourself for a number of years and it isn't working, it probably means that you're like Vic and I and you are not capable of moderation. And seriously, recognising that and accepting that is a key to getting sober. Yeah. And accepting that you have to choose a different life because you are failing at moderation. Failing at moderation is what leads to sobriety. Yeah, yeah. it really is. And yes, some people can moderate and I know we are so jealous of them. I'm still jealous of them now. I would wish I could be a sensible drinker. I mm. still want that. Mm. Even though I love my sober life, I would prefer to have been able to moderate. Yeah. But I couldn't do it. And sometimes, you know, I both Vic and I think, oh, yeah. I wonder if in 10 years we could do it. But we know the answer to that. We know we that. can't. We can't do it. Accept it. Don't say to yourself, I'm going to give moderation a go if you've tried it and failed lots yeah. of times. Don't waste any more time. We did it for years. Like, if you've got a chance now we're telling you moderation doesn't work you've got a chance to nip it in the bud because we did it for years and it ends up being boring and awful and you fail all the time and you feel shit about yourself that you can't do this one thing you want to achieve it's a bloody waste of mental energy just quit drinking it is so much better yeah it really is Um, another thing is maybe just go to bed earlier when I was drinking at home I was staying up to all hours because I was having so much fun while I was drinking or I thought I was Um, but you just start going to bed at nine instead of one in the morning and there's quite a few hours already sorted for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> work out what your trigger times are and plan ahead. So for me, it was definitely witching hour. So around mm. about four o'clock, um, I would definitely feel that I deserved a drink then. That was a problem time for me. I know it is for a lot of people, especially parents. So if those are the times when you struggle, plan for it. Get yourself a bar of chocolate to have instead and sort of break it up into small pieces and keep having bits of that as you're going about getting your after school snacks for your kids or whatever. Do something, anything, to like a circuit breaker to stop it happening in its tracks. Um, And also, if you live with a partner, ask them for help. If you're really struggling, I mean, you touched on that, Vic. Yes, do it with them if you can. Concentrate on yourself, but tell them that you're struggling. They may not have recognised it. They may think you enjoy getting off your head every night, but tell them and they might be able to help you. Yeah. Gosh, that is such a good topic, Lucy. I've really thoroughly enjoyed discussing that today. Because yeah. even though I wasn't a massive stay-at-home drinker, I did do it. Of course, I yeah. did it. You know, if I couldn't go out, of course, I drank at home. But it never became sinister to me because I just... I just knew that that was the turning point. So I knew mentally that if I did start drinking at home that I was an alcoholic, which I think a lot of people do know. And actually it's probably true. Mm. But I was still an alcoholic probably because I was drinking too much when I was binge drinking out on the town as well. So if you're drinking too much, you're drinking too much. And whether that's what two glasses of wine a night, two glasses of wine at the weekend, if you feel like it's impacting your life in a negative way, it's too much. It really is. Yeah. In this podcast today, we've covered the reasons why people retreat behind closed doors, why it's so dangerous, how to recognise it, and some ways to escape it. 
But there is one thing that we have not mentioned so far, and that's shame. Shame and alcohol have a long entwined history, and that combined with the stigma of being an overdrinker makes you want to hide and never face your problem. It's just too humiliating and hard to admit that it's got out of control. Shame fills people with self-hatred and remorse. It can be the reason why you drink, the reason why you can't stop, and of course, the reason why you hide. So you get stuck in a rut, unable to reach out, falling deeper into the hole. But we want you to know there is nothing to feel shame over. Millions of people all over the world over drink and have done all the crazy stuff that you have done. We've walked down the seafront with a traffic cone on our head, slept with someone we shouldn't have and offended a family member after one too many vinos. You are not alone. Talking about it is the only way to free yourself from shame and stigma of overdrinking. And if you do, it allows the people to come after you to also have a voice. So please don't let your shame stop you from getting the help and quitting alcohol. Don't let shame win. No matter how awful you feel about drinking behind closed doors, there is hope. You can get past this. Your body will heal. People will forgive. And when they see your changes, they will be proud. It's time to open the doors step out into the sunshine and leave shame at the threshold like that soggy umbrella. It's time to bid shame and stigma a fond farewell and get out there. Enjoy the rest of your life. If you are suffering from shame, listen to our episode Shame with Sarah Drage. It's a brilliant insight into what happens when drinking gets out of control behind closed doors. Now, let's do some final tips. Understand that the world we live in, most especially since the pandemic, is conducive to drinking behind closed doors. There are lots of really normal reasons for choosing to drink at home, so don't beat yourself up over it. Instead, recognise whether your drinking has reached scary levels and accept you need to make a change. Your home is meant to be a happy, safe, nourishing nest where you and your family can flourish. Is that the case? Consider if you have unintentionally turned your home into your very own Hotel California where you have become a prisoner to your own device. However good the song, it's not a cool look for your home and the family members you share it with. True. Good one, Lucy. We've spoken about the red flags that suggest you're behind the closed doors drinking is getting out of hand. If dinner can't be cooked without a can of Carlton or vacuuming and vodka come hand in hand... You seriously need to make a change. Don't let alcohol infiltrate parts of your world that it has no place in. Mm, That's right. Try to identify when and why you are drinking and find those circuit breakers that I just mentioned to stop it. For example, if you're drinking because you're tired, which is something that I did a lot and I'm sure a lot of parents do or people who have got really stressful jobs do when they come home, instead of having a drink, work on improving your sleep which, by the way, you can do by stopping drinking. Yeah, that's one of the first things (laughs) that happens. If you're drinking a lot at home, it's likely you are using it to mask negative feelings such as boredom, exhaustion and stress. We know we've done it. Accept that life is full of sometimes shit feelings. And if you quit booze, you'll face them head on. They won't feel as bad and you'll get lots of happy, sober feelings too. Yeah, I love those happy, sober feelings. Um, If you live with others, have a long, hard think about how your drinking might affect them. Normalising alcohol in front of our kids ain't going to do them any favours and drinking lots around a partner could annoy them 
or exacerbate their own drinking habits. So true. Please, people, don't allow alcohol to take over your house and your world. It is not your friend. It is your enemy. And why would have anyone other friends... Oh, I'll fuck that up. (laughs) Please, people, don't allow alcohol... (laughs) Start again. Please, people, don't allow alcohol to take over your house and your world. It is not your friend. It is your enemy. And why would you have anyone other than friends in that special space that is your home? I think you covered up that that a little, you know, quite well. Thank you, yeah. Stumbling idiot. Do you think the listeners will have noticed? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I could ask Alan to edit that bit out to make it sound he'll probably bloody forget. forget. Yeah, yeah, useless. I called him useless last week. I'm doing it again now. We wonder why he doesn't do anything for us. He's not getting any money out of me, so he we'll leave that edit in. <laughs> <laughs> we have got a quote, um, and it is a really good one for this because it's about perception. We don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. Oh, Lucy, my mind's <laughs> bending out of shape right now. I think it's cool. And I actually would love to tell you I got that from a Zen class I went to or something like that, but I got it off a true crime drama I was watching on Netflix. <laughs> Excellent. About someone who was wrongly imprisoned for 35 years. Okay, that's what sort of place me and Lucy get our factual information <laughs> from nowadays. But it is really relevant to this topic because yeah, I love it. it is about saying that, you know, we can choose the way we see things and we can choose the way we feel about what we're doing and if we okay drinking at home behind closed doors then it is going to be okay Mm. but if we look at it as if no it's not okay then we can start the healing process and start making the change that we need to to become sober and you deserve change. Everybody deserves change and everybody deserves to be happy. And you just need to question whether alcohol, is it, is it really making you happy? You know, those short-lived highs, are they really worth living for? Because they're not. And we can assure you that sobriety will make you so much happier. It will. Can I have a bliss ball? You can have a bliss ball, but you're, not having, you're only having one because they are really delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you like them. Happy Mother's Day too to everybody. Yes. We're going off a little Mother's Day this weekend in, in in Australia, so God knows what will happen. I did send my husband a photo of the perfume that I wanted. So, oh well, they, he can't get that wrong. Surely that's well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I'll be waiting to find out what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Could be anything. <laughs> so, yeah, happy Mother's Day to all the Australian mums who'll be celebrating this Sunday. Yeah, happy Mother's Day, everybody. Yeah, it's like being locked in a cupboard with a couple of squirrels on crack. Squirrels, squirrels, squirrels on crack. It's like being locked in a cupboard with a couple of squirrels on crack. Squirrels, squirrels, squirrels. Yeah, it's like being locked in a cupboard with a couple of squirrels on crack. Squirrels. Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, if you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist or connect with your local AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yes, go onto Facebook and just search Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy, the group. Lucy and I both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, you can too. For more support on sobriety, head to Vic's website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstockmums.com.au. Finally, 
If you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, review and share it with your mates. Don't make it sound like they have to, though. No, they do have to. I'm not doing all this for nothing. No,